Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His words so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. It is alluring. It is tempting to me. But I, I've been down that road. I ain't doing that again. I'm saying to you, no, stand firmly on the truth of God's word. That's what resist means. Stand firmly in a position and refuse to give ground. I don't care how you tempt me. I'm not going to do it. Uh, God, remember, anything God commands us to do, he enables us to do. So I have authority to say to Satan, no, I'm not going to do it. Temptations are used to lead us into sin and away from God's will. On the other hand, the power to resist temptation is directly connected to God's Word. Today, Pastor Mark teaches us that each time Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he shut him down with truths found in Scripture. He says that our weapon, our defense in defeating temptation is the Word of God. When you're trying to do life right and Satan's trying to get you to do it wrong, keep these things in mind. Submit to God, obey what he says, and live by his plan. Resist the devil by saying no and stand firm on God's word. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, with his continuing study entitled, Trials Are Trying and Temptations Are Tempting. Let us hear your lessons Sin means separate. Some cases, separation from life. But usually separation from, in our case, my relationship with God. So I'm serving God. There's abundant life. I'm having a great time. But I choose to sin against God, and it breaks my fellowship with God. I'm now guilty. I don't feel right. I know I have to repent. God says, repent. He restores me. But could it be that sometimes... Temptation actually brings physical death? Yes. We see it all the time. A very famous, I forget what he was, an author, a movie maker or something. They found him in New York, dead. Why was he physically dead? Drugs and alcohol. God says, don't get drunk. Don't be under any kind of a drug that causes you to lose your self-will. All of us have driven on a road. We're driving somewhere, and all of a sudden the traffic's backed up. Backed up for miles. Huge accident up ahead. We read the next morning. What happened? A drunk driver killed four people in themselves. Sin. The wages of sin sometimes is physical. Sometimes it's a separation of you and a spouse in a relationship with a friend. Understand this morning, divorce is a death. It hurts. It tears. It, all of you that have been through one, 
It's a death. It's not the unpardonable sin by any means, but it's a death. It destroys families. You and I, when we, when we lose our temper with a person and we say something, sometimes that relationship is now dead. It doesn't matter. It used to be a good friend, not any longer. Even though you've asked forgiveness, it just never gets restored. So see, James knew what he was talking about, but ultimately the death is this. It destroys the joy of walking with God. And we'll see this. So, in fact, we want to hide from God. We don't want to go to church. We don't want anybody talking about sin. And we'll see this in our passage. Now, is there a way to defeat this? Is there a way for us to say no when temptation comes? Well, there really isn't, so have a nice week. I'm going home early. I'll see you. No, there is. Turn to book. You're right in the right book. Turn to James chapter 4, verse 7. I want to give you two little simple keys. We try to make it simple for us this morning, as God did. Because you and I are involved with that temptation in a million ways every single day. James chapter 4, verse 7. How do we defeat giving in to these temptations that are so tempting? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Two things for you to write down this morning in our campuses. Number one, submit to God. What does that mean? Instead of submitting to my will to go against God's word, I submit to his word and I live by his plans. I become obedient. I submit my thoughts and I say, God, I really am tempted to do that, but I know your word says don't, so I just won't. Number two, Then I have to resist the devil, and I resist him simply by saying, no, it is alluring, it is tempting to me, but I've been down that road, I ain't doing that again. I'm saying to you, no, stand firmly on the truth of God's word. That's what resist means. Stand firmly in a position and refuse to give ground. I don't care how you tempt me, I'm not going to do it. God, remember, anything God commands us to do, He enables us to do. So I have authority to say to Satan, no, I'm not going to do it. And when I say that, then absolutely Satan has to leave. Now, I want you to write this down because sometimes we forget this. Our weapon in this spiritual warfare, our defense in defeating temptation is the word of God. Right after Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually led him into the wilderness for 40 days, 4-0, of temptation by Satan. During those 40 days, he fasted. Three temptations came from, it was Satan himself, not a demon, Satan himself. Three temptations came to Jesus. They were very tempting. Jesus defeated all of them by saying this, but the word says, but the word says, But the word says, and the Bible says, after that encounter, Satan had to flee. See, my power is connected with the word of God, the manual for living. This word tells me how to live. I can't try to do it myself. I have to open it, and I have to open it, and I have to read it. We'll see as we move through James. Much of James is about this. We read it, but we don't do it. So I could have sent that little flyer and go, wow, nice little flyer they gave me. Then I'm going to break the coffee grinder. No, I have to do it God's way. So that's our defense. That's absolutely 
our weapon. Now, sometimes you and I just have to go back to the maker of you and me. Well, where do we do that? There's a blueprint for us. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Now, I'm going to go through it. We're going to make it simple this morning, but it's hugely powerful for us. Let's look at the blueprint of marriage and the family. When God designed this world, he designed marriage and the family as the foundation of the world. In Genesis, there's no church, there's no school, and there's no government. There was God and his creation. And you're going to see he creates a man and a woman. His whole foundation for the world is simply a man and a woman that are in relationship with God. They have kids, and they teach their kids how to be in relationship with God. That's as complicated as it gets, but Satan hated it. And you're going to see in our world today, we've gone so far from that simple thing. But we can just go back to the designer and his blueprint. So let's watch how God does this. Here we go. Genesis 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man, created Adam first, put him in the Garden of Eden. Now, some of you are not going to like this, but you need to learn it. To work it and take care of it. Some of you think that work came It's a bad four-letter word. It came after man sinned. No, work was good for it. So he said, here's the garden. By the way, it was easy because there was no thorns. There were no weeds. Praise God. (laughs) Now scoot on down to verse 18. As God is watching Adam, he notices something's missing. And the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I'll make someone that he can do life together with. Somebody that will complete him. Because man without a wife is not completed. Would you write this down today? God, not man, designed marriage. Now our world system today has already redefined marriage. You know that. You don't need marriage. God's not part of the marriage. It can be two men, two women. Uh, you don't even need marriage. You just do your own deal. People just under the influence of whatever, doing whatever, how whatever, never the way God designed it. Never. So how do we get back to where it starts? It doesn't matter. Society's going to redefine it. It's already redefined it. You're going to see God never changes. It's always the same. So if you don't do it God's way, Eventually, it's not going to work. Now, Adam needed someone. God saw he was lonely. One of the reasons we get married is because as a man or a woman, we're not complete. And number two, we're lonely. Now, think about that. Could it be this morning that as you're listening to me in a marriage, you're lonely? Well, how could that be? Because that was the reason for marriage. Now, somebody sent me this I thought was great. Ladies, get ready, because you're going to like this. Man needed a wife. Here's the definition of marriage. Marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right, and the other person is the husband. (laughs) Come on, ladies, let me hear it. I know it's coming. 
That's the last good thing I'm going to say about you in the rest of this whole sermon. My wife loved that part. Now go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Notice that God created both man and woman in his image to have a relationship with God. That means they have equal worth, yet different roles. Equal worth, but different roles. See, God made this amazing design, and this triangle shows us what it looks like. It's not complicated. It has never changed. So take a look. This is God's bird grinder. Here's his definition. The designer said, this is what marriage looks like. It's God, a husband, and a wife. Now, if you take off the top half, no God, and have a husband and a wife, that's how the world does marriage. God isn't in it. Well, God might be at the, at the wedding for a few words, but God is not in their marriage. That isn't a marriage as God designed. No, now notice, watch this. It's a husband who has a personal relationship with God. Adam already had a personal relationship with God. Eve's going to have a personal relationship with God. So the Bible tells us, as you look at that, it's not two men, it's not two women, it's not a, an, a believer and an unbeliever. If you're dating today and you're dating an unbeliever, you're headed for disaster. Can two walk together unless they agree? No, they cannot. So you need to ask God wisdom. My dad told me this so many years ago. He says, Mark, when I was a teenager, I didn't understand initially, but I got it. If you don't date an unbeliever, you'll never marry an unbeliever. See, when our hearts are gone, we do crazy things. So I want to just challenge you this morning. I don't know you. Many of you, where you're at, whatever, if you're, if you're dating an unbeliever, you need to stop it. You say, well, they'll come to Christ. Maybe, maybe not. Because if you don't, I guarantee you what would happen. I've been doing this for 50 years, counseling. There's a divorce coming. Second, if you're living with someone this morning and you're not married, you're in sin. God doesn't bless it. He said, Pastor Mark, that's ridiculous. Society says we can do it. Yes, but God says, no, the marriage bed is supposed to be undefiled. Separate, we'll help you. We'll get you married. Do it the right way. Now, let me give you a big warning because I hear it all the time. Notice on this screen, it's a husband who has a relationship with God, a real relationship with God, and a wife that has a real relationship. Here's what I hear all the time. Pastor Mike, I, I haven't seen you for a while. Well, I got divorced. What? You got divorced? I, I thought you got married. Well, I did. What, was he a Christian? Well, he said he was. See, if the person you're dating, you don't know that there's been a change in them, that they really love God, that they're first, you're in trouble. Just because they come to this church, we have predators in this church. Now listen to me. We have men and women looking to take advantage of other men and women, not just sexually, but to get involved with them. And they claim they're a believer. They're not a believer. I call that a predator. We're here as pastors to watch that that doesn't happen because that's destruction and death coming. Ladies, marry a guy that can be the spiritual leader of your home. 
He's going to love you like Christ loved the church. He's going to give himself for you. Now, if, if you ask him, can you be the spiritual leader? And he goes, huh? <laughs> then he needs a little more work before you marry him. Ladies, you need to be a godly woman in the home. That isn't fussing with soaps and garbage and the women of Atlanta and all that junk we have. <laughs> See, we laugh, we laugh, listen, we laugh, but there's death in the house. You can walk down our streets guaranteed and the homes look fantastic. When you open the door, the smell of death is everywhere. Don't go there. As pastors, we hurt for you. And God hurts for you. There's a way. Teenager, you shouldn't be sleeping around. Sex before marriage is a sin. Ask God to forgive you. Keep yourself pure till you get married. Now, I want you to go and see three keys to marriage. It's not complicated. Go to chapter 2 again. Go to verse 24. Now, God didn't just design marriage as a threesome, but he kind of told us how to do it. He kind of told us how to do it. Here it is. For this reason, verse 24, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become, watch this, one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, you're from, if you're from Georgia, naked, and, and they felt no shame. Here's the three keys that we see. They're beautiful. They're fantastic. Number one, in a marriage, here's how a marriage is to operate. By the way, let me ask you a question. How many marriage books did Adam and Eve have? They didn't have any book. They just had a relationship with God. Today, we have a book. It's called the Bible. But they didn't have a book. I'm not against marriage books. There's millions of them. But it was basically simple. Marriage is simple. By the way, it's not easy, but it's simple. So here's the three you want to write down. First thing God says is to them, leave. Now, it's strange to us because they didn't have a mom and dad. But he's writing it for us later. What's it mean? It simply means priority. If you're married this morning or getting ready to get married, there's going to be a priority in your home. It's God and then your spouse. Yes, you'll have children. They don't come before your spouse. Yes, you have mom and dad, both sides. Yes, you're going to take care of them, the Bible tells us, but they don't become. For, you know where lots of problems come from marriages? One of the spouses never leaves, their mom or their dad. Seriously. It's very simple. The priority is your spouse after God. Number two, God says, I'm going to unite you. I'm going to make you one. Two people becoming one. See, that's unity. Can two walk together and they agree? No. So he's going to make us one. A pastor never makes you one. God only makes you one. It's supernatural. He takes two people that are very different, and he makes them one. And then he says this. The third is, the word is naked. It means intimacy. For a man, naked is sexual. Intimacy is sexual. And that's true. We're attracted. We're attracted, ladies, by you. Praise God. It's a good thing. But intimacy isn't just sexual. It's hard for us guys because we're wired different. It's spiritual and relational. You'll see in a moment 
there's a friendship that has to be involved in a marriage. So there's what God says. He says to Adam and Eve, okay, leave. Put me first. Put your spouse first. Then he says, you're going to be one. And we're going to follow together. We're a unit. There's no I in team. There's no I in team. And as we begin to understand that, then there's going to be this intimacy. There's nothing more intimate than, than a husband and a wife who... They together, they're glued by God. It's a super glue by God. And they're physically and emotionally and spiritually together. That brings commitment, that brings friendship, and that brings sexual passion. That's the three kinds of love. Eros, agape, and ephileo. Now, here's what happens in life. As we move on with life, different changes are all in those kinds of love. The sexual love and the whatever and the commitment. And, and we just have to go back to the commitment. That's what keeps us alive. But the second thing that eventually becomes more important than the sexual is the friendship. We just love hanging together. Are you a helper? Do you have nothing to do with the way the home operates? Do you love giving to each other? Sexually? Intimately? What a joy. Now, I want to give you God's design and definition of marriage. I know the world doesn't agree with it. As I said, we, we love unbelievers, but you can't change. When I have that coffee grinder, there's only one way to make it work. The designer made it that way. I can argue with him all I want, but I can only make it one way. I want you to write the design down. This is God's design. He loves all people. Marriage was designed by God to be monogamous, to be heterosexual, and to be permanent. That doesn't go very well today. We know in the Bible there's reasons for divorce, adultery, unbeliever leaving, abuse in the home, beating up the spouse, whatever. There's, God, God was very gracious. He gave us reasons for divorce. By the way, if you hear divorce, maybe divorce one or two or three times, we're not talking about your past. You get a brand new start today. It's not the unpardonable sin. It is a sin. God hates it. Why does God hate divorce? Because he knows it's a death. So our culture says this. No, Pastor Mark, times have changed. What is wrong with you? Well, one day, watch me. Here we are in Genesis. Watch me. Here we are in Genesis. 4,000 years, Jesus is speaking. Well, will it have changed? The religious rulers come to Jesus. And they're going to ask him about divorce. What I love with Jesus is he doesn't go to divorce first. He goes, here's how marriage is to work. See, you want to be positive. Watch what Jesus says 4,000 years later after the design. Watch what he says to the religious leaders. Here it is, Matthew 19. I added the yellow so you can relax. Haven't you read? He says to the religious leaders, hey, you're the only guys with the books. Haven't you read the manual? That at the beginning... The Creator made them male and female. Now, this should sound very familiar with what you just read in Genesis. Why? Because Jesus is quoting Genesis. How do we resist the devil? Pastor Mark just said that all we have to do is say, no, it's true. When he knows we are serious, we back it up with the truth in God's Word, he has no choice but to flee. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remember, when you're trying to do life right, anything God commands us to do, He enables us to do. Stand firm, friends. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. In the Christian's life, the first thing that Satan goes after is their relationship with God. He knows that's the source of our access to abundant and eternal life. And if the foundation of our faith is unstable, then everything in our life will be unsettled. Ultimately, he despises the human race because we're made in the image of God. So he'll use anything he can to destroy us. Tune in next time on Lessons for Living to learn how to fight off his attempts. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues through the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for